And we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 147, a.k.a. season 2, episode 15, uh, coming at you podcast only this week uh, from an underground nuclear fallout shelter somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, and flying solo this week. Uh, MC under the weather, uh, so I'm doing the show by myself. So you know what you get when that happens. Uh, another edition of Richie Rich reads the news. Um, but first, let's just let's just really briefly go over the fact that we do the show from Honolulu, Hawaii, um, which, as you know, was under threat of a ballistic missile attack uh, for about 38 minutes Saturday morning, depending on when you listen to the show. What was that January 13th? Um, and it turned out to be, you know, a, a an accident, a, a false alarm um, from, you know, for, for, from from the emergency uh, civil defense league or whatever they're called. Um, so everything's, you know, all good here. Um, you know, I, I saw uh, my Facebook feed was inundated with, you know, oh my goodness, I spent some time with the family and uh, panicking and all this and all that other nonsense. Um, and the only way I can relate that to, you know, what's going on here with the show is I doubt I highly doubt um, that alarms like that would go off or even be a threat um, in an otherwise stateless society, right? Like I can't imagine, um, I can't imagine a world without government where someone goes like, you know, we're just going to launch some nukes or some ballistic missiles at people. Just, you know, we're going to spend all that money um, just to blow them up for no other reason than that's, you know, that seems to be the prudent thing to do at the time. Um I don't see it. I don't know how other people see it, and they go like, "Well, what if a crazy, what if a crazy billionaire, um, you know, d- decides that they just want to blow up the planet?" Like, well, what are the chances, right? What are the chances of that happening without a government to back them, and they would have to, you know, like spend their own money um, just to fire off random ballistic missiles at people, in in the hopes that they don't get, you know, killed themselves for being, you know, otherwise an asshole, right? You know. So I just, I don't, I don't see it. And so the, the entire threat process, right, the entire, you know, threat system um, is predicated in my mind off of the fact that you have like governments going back and forth with each other and heads of state um, bickering it out between them. Um, and if they weren't doing that, then there would be no threat to us, um, even if the threat were real, right? Like, you know, it turned out to be a false alarm, but it, it sent a lot of people panicking uh, in the interim. You know, while while the the threat was uh, underway, um, and one person I talked to said, like, well, you know, could this be a, a cry wolf moment as well? Uh, if they keep doing stuff like this, where when the threat is real, right, when there's an actual threat of a ballistic missile in, inbound or a, you know a nuclear strike inbound, uh, that you know that no one will care because you know so many false alarms. Right. I know, I know we've talked about here before, um, you know, false alarms when it comes to natural disasters like hurricane hurricanes here and tsunamis here. And, you know, I don't you know what, whatever you get where you're at um, and the false alarms go off or the alarms go off and it turns out not to be a threat. And I've gotten to the point where I don't even pay attention to it. You know, we had a, a threat of tsunami. And I was living in lowland areas. and My dad calls like you better get the high ground. I'm like, I'm going to bed. You know, either either I will see you in the morning or I won't. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not altering my lifestyle uh, around the threat of disaster. Um, so even, you know, even during the, the nuclear threat or the ballistic missile threat, I keep saying nuclear, but it wasn't. That, that was the other problem that I had. 
um, was that people kept calling it a nuclear threat, uh, just like I am now. Um, but it wasn't. There was no indication that the, the, the inbound ballistic missile was nuclear at all. It was just, you know, ballistic missile. And, you know, so I, I think just thinking about a ballistic missile, um, people got a little panicky and assumed nuclear for whatever reason, even though that was not in the in initial threat assessment, even though false. Um, but anyway, so even, even in those cases, right, there'd be like, you know, people would be, uh, not paying attention because of so many false alarms, um, and then really putting themselves in danger. Should it be like a, a real threat coming down the line? Um, and also, uh, come to find out, you know, they, you know, part of the, part of the threat assessment was take shelter. Um, and the, the state has no shelter facilities. There's like, you know, e- even if, you know, even if the threat was real, there's no place to go and nothing to do outside of the ordinary, uh, aside for just sit and wait and see what happens. Um, and, and hope it doesn't explode near you. Uh, and if it's nuclear, then, you know, who cares? Right. Um, but there, there, you know, there's, there's no underground, unless you built one yourself and you've got a fallout shelter of your own, you know, privately built, um, there's, there's nothing built by the city or by the state here, um, for anyone to like seek shelter, uh, from any sort of missile attack. Um, so yeah, there, there's my two cents on the issue. Um, that's all I really had to say. So we can just get into headlines from there, uh, and carry on with the show. Headline, uh, charges against Nevada rancher Cliven Bundy and his sons tossed from federal court. Uh, headline looking for a savior in a president is a slave mentality. Headline, the answer to illegal immigration is property rights. Headline, a curious thing happened when Ontario hiked minimum wage by over 20%. Uh, Headline, Jack in the Box CEO reconsiders automation and kiosks. Uh, Headline, the FBI wants to put you at risk to make its job easier. Uh, Headline, town in New Jersey to find non-residents for driving through town. And finally, headline, inmates can't receive donated books anymore. They have to buy them? Uh, Getting started right from the top, uh, charges against Nevada rancher Cliven Bunny and his sons tossed from federal court. Um, I bring this up only because we've talked about this before as far as um, the the citizens' ability to defend themselves against the violence of the state, right? So if you remember the Cliven Bunny, it was a standoff over uh, grazing rights for cattle. Um, Despite uh, Cliven Bundy's political position, Right. The, the, the moral of his tale is that with enough people, you can get the federal, the federal government and, you know, probably the state and the locals to to back down um, from a violent standoff when they're outnumbered. Um, so he, he had some issues with grazing rights. He you know, he 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 took he drew his line in the sand, basically. Um, and the feds came with with guns, um, you know, re- ready to uh, take his cattle and, and take him out, likely. Uh, and then he got a bunch of support from people all around the country, um, you know, gun enthusiasts, and uh, I would assume some anarchists in the mix as well, um, just, you know, to, to protect uh, Clive and Bundy's land rights um, or, or grazing rights to public land. And when they, when, you know, the federal, the, when the federal employees with guns were outnumbered by regular citizens with guns, um, they backed off and went away and then, you know, the, had some other issues, uh, in court. Um, but that's how Clive and Bunny got famous. So here's a little update on, uh, his little situation, um, in dealing with the, the monster of the state. Um, 
Reading into the article, the federal government's long efforts to get Nevada rancher Cliven Bundy and members of his family behind bars seem to have come to an end. As U.S. District Judge Gloria Navarro today dismissed with prejudice all federal charges against Bundy, his sons Ammon and Ryan, and co-defendant Ryan Payne. The with prejudice part means the government can't just try again on the same charges. Judge Navarro complained of flagrant prosecutorial misconduct in the case against Bundy's, including violating the Brady rule regarding withholding potentially exculpatory evidence from the Bundy's legal team. The decision comes after the same judge last month declared a mistrial in the case. Uh, The government is trying to get a new trial launched. As Fox News reported, Navarro has suspended the trial earlier and warned of a mistrial when prosecutors released information after a discovery deadline. Uh, Overall, the government was late in handing over more than 3,300 pages of documents. Uh, Further, some defense requests for information that ultimately came to light had been ridiculed by prosecutors as fantastical and a fishing expedition. Uh, What what Navarro objected to withholding most, as reported by Arizona Republic, uh, records about surveillance at the Bundy Ranch, maps about government surveillance, records about the presence of government snipers, FBI logs about activity at the ranch in the days leading up to the standoff, law enforcement assessment dating to 2012 that found the Bundys posed no threat, internal affairs reports about misconduct by Bureau of Land Management agents, a failure to turn over such evidence violates due process, Navarro said last month. A fair trial at this point is impossible. Uh, former acting Nevada U.S. Attorney Stephen Meyer, uh, leading to the pro- leading the prosecution, wrote all the above off as either inadvertent or insignificant error, not malfeasance on the government's part. Uh, the charges against the four men were all related to actions during the 2014 standoff at Bundy's Nevada Ranch over his failure to pay the fees to the Bureau of Land Management they insisted he owed. The four men were specifically charged in 2016 with one count of conspiracy to commit an offense against the United States, one count of conspiracy to impede or injure a federal officer, uh, four counts of using and carrying a firearm in relation to crime of violence, two counts of assault on a federal officer, two counts of threatening a federal law enforcement officer, three counts of obstruction of the due administration of justice, two counts of interference with interstate commerce by extortion, and one count of interstate travel in aid of extortion. Uh, The indictment also alleged five counts of criminal forfeiture, which upon conviction would require forfeiture of property derived from the proceeds of crimes totaling at least $3 million, as well as the firearms and ammunition possessed and used on April 12, 2014. Uh, The Arizona Republic goes on to note Navarro didn't even mention other disturbing accusations against the Bundy's prosecution, including another document turned over to the defense in December that raises more criticisms of the BLM's conduct and use of force during the standoff. A federal investigator's alleged in a November 27th memo to the assistant U.S. attorney general that prosecutors in the Bundy Ranch standoff trial covered up misconduct by law enforcement agents who engaged in likely policy, ethical, and legal violations. In an 18-page memo, Special Agent Larry Wooten said he routinely observed a widespread pattern of bad judgment, lack of discipline, incredible bias, unprofessionalism, and misconduct among agents involved in the 2014 standoff. He said his investigation indicated federal agents used excessive force and committed civil rights and policy violations. 
Uh, James Bovard, a lifelong chronicler of federal police power abuse, wrote in USA Today last week about many of the government's seemingly malicious missteps in the prosecution, including that the feds charged the bunnies with conspiracy in large part because the ranchers summoned militia to defend them after they claimed the FBI snipers had surrounded their ranch. Uh, Justice Department lawyers scoffed at this claim in prior trials involving the standoff, but newly released documents confirmed that snipers were in place prior to the Bundy's call for help. Uh, The feds also belatedly turned over multiple threat assessments, which revealed that the Bundy's were not violent or dangerous, including an FBI analysis that concluded the BLM was trying to provoke a conflict with the Bundy's. As an analyst in the left-leaning Intercept observed, federal missteps in this case fueled long-standing perceptions among the right-wing groups and militias that the federal government is an underhanded institution that will stop at nothing to crush the little guy and cover up its own misdeeds. Uh, The Associated Press via Chicago Tribune noted the larger issues raised by the prosecution and this dismissal. Greg Colley, a University of Wyoming professor who writes about land protests in the West, said a collapse of the case would be seen by many as a victory for states' rights. But it would not actually be a clean victory, Colley said. Conspiracy is very hard to prove. The Bundys got acquitted in Oregon, but if charges in Nevada are dropped, there's no resolution to the question. It could be seen as criminal going free on a technicality rather than actual vindication. Uh, But when the technicalities are related to the government's apparent willingness to violate principles of justice to get people who defy them, the message seems clear nonetheless. Uh, The Oregonian has a detailed account of the federal prosecutor's failed attempts to excuse their behavior, including many original documents. The Intercept reported earlier in the year that on the FBI's disturbing practice of pretending to be a documentary journalism team in order to gather info on the Bundy's supporters... Among the miscarriage of justice against the Bundys and their allies was federal agents' murder and lying about it of Lavoy Finnicum, one of the occupiers of the Mahler Wildlife Refuge on the part of Bundy supporters. Uh, the feds had already failed to get a conviction against many others involved in that occupation. Others still remain under prosecution related to the Bundy standoff. Uh, Ryan Bundy, after today's dismissal, called for their charges to be dropped as well, reported the Las Vegas Review-Journal. The government had acted wrongly from the get-go, Bundy said. Uh, End of the article. See, for me, like I said prior to uh, reading through the article, I don't necessarily support um, the Bundy's overall political position. Um, However, in this instance... Uh, much like I don't support um, the actions of, of all people who are, you know, getting hammered by the, the state and by the government. Um, in this instance, it's important to support uh, what's right and what's just. Um, and so even though, you know, um, you know, even though Cliven Bundy is not an anarchist um, and, you know, does support, you know, state rights and, you know, he would rather at one point said he'd rather deal with the, the you know, the local uh, Nevada state as opposed to the feds and he'd be okay, you know, doing what they said. Um, small little victories like this still need to be celebrated because they're rare. Uh, so when they do come about, you know, it has to be noticed and recorded. Right. For the record, uh, you know, it is possible to defeat the federal government um, at their at their own game, um, especially when they get so cocky about it. Right. Like a, a lot of a lot of the, the reasons why these charges got thrown out, um, I'm sure it was simply because the prosecutors didn't think it would matter. Right. 
they thought that they could waltz in and get away with it um, simply because, you know, the judge is usually on their side. Uh, no one really cares about, you know, the little guy, you know, wh- when you look at, um, you know, prosecution rates, uh, it's, you know, it's take the plea or go to jail. So everyone just pleads guilty and they, they look good on that. Um, so when you stand up to them and they actually have to prove their case, uh, a lot of these things can come to light. Uh, and again, like the end, uh, at the end of the article, one of the biggest illustrations is that the, the federal government um, and the state and the city and at all, at all levels will use their power, um, you know, to, to crush the little guy as best they can. And it's, it's these situations where the prejudice is so extreme, um, it can't be ignored, right? Like, you know, uh, it, it, it would be even more of an illustration of the federal government running rampant and running wild. Um, if the, if the judge allowed the prosecution to continue knowing all those violations, uh, were in play, uh, and then to, and then to prosecute, you know, the, the, the Bundys, um, on a, on a smaller level, um, uh, you know, in my personal life, I had a conversation, um, with a friend of mine recently about, you know, um, what, what, why you should take, uh, your case to court. Right. Um, and then, and when you get, you know, when you get the public defender, the public defender at your, your, you know, your low level traffic crime, um, is basically there to tell you, well, you know, you did it. So here's the plea deal that I can get you. You plead guilty and your fine is a lot less. Um, and you know, just like in sales, they count on, you know, pushing through volumes of people, uh, paying smaller fines than having to expend the cost of going to trial um, and, so, and sometimes a jury trial to prosecute all those people to get, you know, the, the bigger penalty, right? So it's, it's, it's simply by the numbers to get as many people to plea out um, as possible, you know, uh, high volume, low margins is basically what I'm trying to get at here. Um, and I said, well, the, the way it's supposed to work Right. The way the, the, the biggest reason why you want to take all those things to trial is because there are multiple elements to every crime. Right. And, they, you know, so, the, you know, the law is written down like this statute, blah, 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 you know, and, and here's all here's all the line item elements that need to be, in, you know, that need to be proven uh, that you need to be proven guilty of before they can convict you as guilty of the whole crime. Right. And so, you know, I said, well, it's the defense position, right? When you, when you go to either, whether or not it's your public defender or your, you know, private attorney, um, their goal is to find the one element or, you know, there are multiple elements, uh, that the prosecution cannot prove without, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. Um, and, and, in doing so get you found not guilty of the entire crime. Um, and I had, uh, I had a case some years ago for, you know, a, a noise violation, right? I was, I was coming home late from work and I had my radio turned up and I had, you know, my, my stereo blasting, um, and I got caught. Um, so I, I had to go to trial for a noise violation and I, I lucked into a public defender who did not have to defend me. Um, but I went to trial, I played dumb a little bit and she was still in the room and she offered her services, um, even though they weren't required. Uh, and at one point, uh, through the trial, like I, th- I thought we like, we nailed them because one of the elements, uh, to prove this crime was that the, the, the officer must have been able to 
positively identify the source of the noise uh, from 100 feet away, right? Like from, from a minimum of 100 feet. He has to go like, you know, I know that it's coming from that vehicle uh, 100 feet away. And, you know, the, the public defender had him on the stand and she asked, you know, about how far away was the car when you were able to positively identify that that was the vehicle from the, you know, from which the source of the noise was coming. And he said about 30 feet. I went, you know, I inside, right. I didn't like have an outburst in court. Uh, but on the inside, I was like, shit, we got him like not guilty now because that, that, that is one element of the crime, um, that with his own testimony, uh, could not, could, could not positively, you know, convict on, right. You, 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 have to be able to hear it within a hundred feet away. He was only able to identify it from 30 feet away to, you know, the, so the, it could not have been as loud as he expected it to be. Um, and we got him, um, uh, and, the, and, and, you know, so we go through the, the rest of the rigmarole, the rest of the cross-examination, you know, closing arguments, yada, yada, yada. And the judge, um, basically says, um, even though he wasn't able to positively identify it from a hundred feet away, it was more likely than not, uh, coming from your vehicle more than a hundred feet away. Right. Like she, you know, she basically, you know, took, took his argument and just gave him a pass, uh, on one of the elements of the crime. Um, and you know, not, not that I need, not that I needed the proof, uh, but this was just more evidence to build the case, right? For for other people, like I've said in the past, like I do things to show you what at what really goes on, uh, even though you might not be aware of it and you might not know anyone, you know, going through it. I will go through it for you. So this is more evidence to build that case that you know the judges themselves um, don't really care, right? What what's going on. Um, and that they'll just they'll just accept whatever the the prosecution says or what the witness says that's more likely right like you know there, there's a good chance that it was me and you know if i'm being honest now right it was definitely me but that's not how the court system is supposed to work right they they're supposed to be have to prove all the elements they failed to do so and there was a conviction anyway so you extrapolate this out back to the original article um, with the Bundys, right? They, they have all this prosecutorial misconduct, all these things, all these elements um, that they just like glossed over in the hopes and the likelihood, you know, that with a different judge, um, the judge would say, yeah, you, you, you did all these things wrong and you forgot to deliver evidence and you know, so on and so forth. But, you know, we're going to let that go you know, because we, we're trying to prosecute these Bundys, right? These people, we're, we're trying to harm these people. Uh, so we're going to overlook all the wrongful things, uh, that the prosecution does and not being able to prove, you know, all, all these things and withholding evidence from the defense, we're going to overlook that, um, and prosecute anyway. Um, and I think, you know, and, and I'm, I'm saying that again, because this is one of those rare instances right? This, these outliers, this anomalies where that didn't happen. 
Um, and because it didn't happen in this case, right, in th this case in particular needs to be celebrated, uh, again, as a victory against the state, um, you know, in, in, the, in the face of, you know, the, the monolithic, uh, you know, federal government, right? Like we, we can still get little victories here and there. And if we can build up all those little victories um, over time, then, you know, more people will see and hear the message of freedom um, and hopefully be able to do this more often until, you know, the entire federal government uh, is disbanded or disappears or is eliminated in some form or fashion. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Headline. Looking for a savior in a president is a slave mentality. Uh, in 2017, I wrote about how, uh, reading into the article, in 2017, I wrote a lot about how dangerously centralized our political system is in the U.S. has become, and how we need to decentralize government in order to restore power, liberty, and policy experimentation to the local level. Uh, this notion that a sprawling and culturally diverse nation of 325 million individuals should constantly battle to the death over the ring of political power in Washington, D.C., so as to impose their views on the other half of the country, which completely disagrees, is patently ludicrous. States, and even metro areas themselves, should be making most of the important decisions that impact their citizens' lives on a day-to-day -day basis. This isn't complicated. People who live in Boulder, Colorado, such as myself, have a very distinct worldview on most things, from the average residents of, let's say, Houston, Texas. This isn't to say that one is superior to the other. We're just talking generally different mindsets and cultures. Uh, the residents of these distinct places should be able to express themselves via policy in a way that most fits the desires and values reflective of these particular regions. While this does happen to some degree, all U.S. citizens are still beholden to the whims of centralized political power in Washington, D.C., to the very unhealthy and dysfunctional degree. Uh, one of the worst side effects of centralized power in Washington, D.C. is most Americans waste all their political energy speculating or on or rooting for who will be elected to the next supreme ruler, president, every four years. This is such a gigantic waste of time and energy, but one reason it happens is because the U.S. has an imperial presidency these days. The executive simply acts in a manner that the founders had never intended and the other branches of government, legislative and judiciary, permitted. Congress deserves a huge part of the blame, as its members intentionally refuse to exercise their constitutional duty to handle war. Our so-called representatives consistently just allow the president to, to do whatever they want when it comes to the exercise of state violence abroad, whether that president is George W. Bush, Barack Obama, or Donald Trump. It's absolutely pathetic that less than two weeks into the new year, all I heard about yesterday was how Oprah might run for president two years from now. Think about how insane a society has to be in light of all our enormous current problems to start already, already maniacally obsessing about who could be our savior if we just vote properly in 2020. Did the presidency of Barack Obama, who said all the right things but coddled to the plutocracy for eight years, straight teach you anything? It's not just Oprah, though. Last summer, we learned Hampton's oligarchs had already decided uh, Kamala Harris more than three years before the next presidential election would be their pick for the Democratic nominee in 2020. Uh, primary voters need not apply. Uh, naturally, Mark Cuban chatter never goes away either, as I pointed out the other day. Uh, we're going to be pummeled by idiotic headlines like this for three years straight. Awesome. 
Uh, from the headline, Mark Cuban's lead Trump in deep red Texas in 2020. Uh, meanwhile, what do Oprah and Cuban have in common? Both billionaires, just like Trump. Is that the future the plutocrats have planned for us? Uh, groveling for the new billionaire dear leader every four years? Sorry, but I have too much respect for myself to ever do that. I'm done playing this childish game. Uh, the spark that inspired this post was actually a tweet I sent out this past weekend. Its reception was very encouraging and told me that a lot of people around the world are coming to a very similar conclusion. This is really important because we can't change things until we realize how completely ridiculous our current paradigm is. Here's the big secret. Human beings created the world we live in. Nothing about our governments or economy are provided to us by nature or the divine. The insufferable centralized hierarchies we live under we created by, uh, were, were created by other humans that came before us and are aggressively propagated by those currently in power. There's absolutely no reason to accept these systems as permanent or perfect. Looking for a savior in a president is a slave mentality. We need to stop being slaves. Oprah, Trump, Mark Cuban, it doesn't matter. Nobody is coming to save you. It's time to grow up. The real power resides in ourselves. Uh, the world of the future will be the world we create. If we want that world to be vastly better, we need to stop looking outside of ourselves for the answer. Uh, we need to look inward, fix our strengths, and get to work. If we expect someone else to come and fix things, if you expect someone else to come in and fix things, you've already lost. Uh, end of the article. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't clarify uh, again that you know some sometimes articles are close enough uh, to get on the air but not necessarily perfect all the way around. Um, so at least for me and for this show, uh, I don't, I don't support local governments or states rights either. Like fuck those guys too. Um, you know, it, un unless it's the individual uh, making individual choices about their uh, person and property and liberties. Um, no, not for me. Um, so if you're looking for a savior uh, in your mayor or your governor or, you know, your, your alderman or whatever, whatever city council position you happen to be like looking towards to, to get stuff done. Um, not going to cut it for me either. Um, but aside from that, yes. Um, you know, the, the, this article highlights, uh, a, a very important point and that is, you know, to, to look within yourself, um, to make the changes you want to see. Um, and you know, and, and if looking within yourself goes like, well, I want to, I, I want this guy to run my life. Well, look a little bit harder. Um, I, <laughs> I guess for me, um, because there, there, there's no reason to look towards anyone, right? The, the big one in the tech world, um, is Zuckerberg 2020, right? Like, you know, like, like he or Mark Cuban or Oprah, or anyone is qualified, uh, to be president. Right. They, they give a little speech that sets off the emotions in people uh, about how things could be and how to change the world and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but that doesn't mean that they should run things. Right. Nobody should run things. Um, if Oprah or Mark Cuban want to, you know, to do things with their billions of dollars that they already have, um, you know, put that to good use already right? Go, go, go start foundations and charities and, and help all the poor people and old people and sick people and children that you want. Um, you know, if, if that's your desire and I'm not even, I'm not even making the claim that that would be useful or helpful to, to the people that they're trying to help. Um, but they, but they, they already have, you know, the, the, the capital and the opportunity to make the changes that they want to see. Right. 
And if, if it's something like a federal rule or a federal law or a state rule or a state regulation or one of those things, like getting in their way um, from from uh moving forward in the goals that they want to see society move towards, right, to to change to make those changes that they want to see happen, well, then they should be on our side, right? If something is if something is getting in your way, right, you you eliminate that thing from your way. You don't try to take control out of it and move it into somebody else's way, um, which is, you know, basically what, what being president or running for office or any of those things would be, right? You, you take control of the apparatus that's in the way and you go like, well, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to move it a little bit to the left. So it's not in my way anymore. Uh, but, but now it's in somebody else's way. Who's trying to do something completely different from you. You just eliminate that structure altogether, get rid of the state. Get rid of the federal government, you know, get, get rid of all, get rid of that entire apparatus uh, so that people with that kind of money, you know, however they've earned it at that point, right? We're not, I don't think we're going to erase everything and start from square one. Uh, but if you got that kind of money, uh, go ahead and do what you want with it to, to, to make the changes you think should happen uh, in society or encourage people to move in that direction. Um, but yeah, but you don't you don't need a president to do that. You know, you don't need an elected official, um, and it's 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 hero worship um, to such a bizarre level, right? Even even the Trump supporters now, right, are as 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 zealous um, as the the people on the left clamoring for the return of uh, Barack Obama. Right. Oh, my God. Can you believe the good old days when it wasn't Trump and it was Obama and oh, Obama was so good. And like, no, no, he wasn't either. And, and me saying that doesn't mean I think Trump is good either. Right. Fuck them all. I don't care. Get, get rid of all of them, um, you know, and 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 you don't need them. And it's that, it's that, you know, that the most dangerous superstition, that mentality, uh, that they are necessary, that they are required, um, you know, to, to help society along and, and, and make policy and regulations and all this other nonsense, um, that, that needs to be broken free, right? That, that people, the mindset of most people, um, need to shift to, uh, to a manner of freedom and liberty as opposed to, you know, one of, of state coercion and state violence, um, I found a quote the other day that I, I posted on my personal Facebook feed and it says, the only reason that you think government is a solution is because you think that freedom is the problem. Um, and I think that, again, that's ingrained in the culture, that's ingrained in the mentality of society, uh, mostly because the people, you know, who, who think freedom is the problem, right, run everything. Right. And they and they, you know, they start them young. Right. They get them in schools or they get them in, into religion uh, too young so that they're always looking for someone else for the answers instead of seeking the solutions on their own. Uh, and when you present the only solution as being one of governmental power, well, then that's where the brainwash masses will look. Right. And to to break them free of that takes a lot of work, takes a lot of effort, uh, but it's what needs to be done. Right. When you understand that freedom is the solution and liberty is the solution uh, to many, 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 if not all uh, of the problems faced by society. Um, if you can get to that space, right, then you can really see some changes happen um, and, and some differences being made in the world, right? You know, if, if you know, what, whatever your personal pet issue happens to be, right, 
you know, you, you get the state out of the way, you get the regulations out of the way, and you let the, you know, the, the market handle it and charities take over, right? One of the big ones recently, again, um, was, you know, net neutrality, right? And, and a lot of the, the tech people on that side of things, right, misunderstand what's going on. They go like, well, we can't, we can't have zero regulation um, because there's monopolies, Right. And they, they don't take it a step further and go like, well, if you, if you get if you get rid of the regulations and have zero regulations, you wouldn't have the monopolies. Right. You, you're not solving the right problem. Um, you're, you're taking you're taking things for granted. Right. When 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 you when you take the state for granted. Um, and what I mean by that is when you when you when you come from the perspective that the state is going to be there and be necessary. Right. Then you limit your solutions and you keep yourself boxed in uh, in a state of mind that doesn't allow you to, you know, think outside the box for for lack of a, of a better term right now um, to think outside the box and come up with a different mechanism to solve your problems. Well, then that's what you get. Right. You get in the box thinking and in the box solutions that always keep you under the thumb of the government, under the thumb of the state, under the thumb of the people who would you know take away your freedoms Um that you don't even know you have, uh, because you don't. You've always been taught to to be a lesser than in society. Um, so you know, unshackle those yokes. Stop looking for saviors anywhere, right? Not not even just you know local, state, whatever, right? You know, stop looking for saviors everywhere, uh, and look to yourself. And then if there's an obstacle that comes up, right? Rather than trying to take it over, like I said, you know, figure out a way to eliminate the obstacle or get around it or go underneath it, right? You know, that, that's one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of, you know, agorism, right? And, and, and black markets, um, because they go like, well, you know, I, I want, I want to start this business, but you know, God, God, got to get the license from the state in order to operate the business. And my answer is no, you don't go. Yeah, but I, I gotta, I, I gotta be quote unquote legitimate in my business, you know, otherwise they'll come after me. I'm like, maybe not. Right. You, you, you assume that you're a big enough fish, you know, in the pond to be go- come after right away. And, you know, I, I started a business a few years ago that failed because I couldn't get backing. And it's like the bane of my existence. Um, but what I did, you know, people said like, oh, you're going to need to get like some sort of license to operate. And I go, no, I don't. I'm, I'm going to do this. And then by the time they realize what I'm doing, um, I'll have a war chest built up right to 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 fend them off you know in in the courts and in the legal system and and however they needed to be fended off um but i was gonna i was gonna build that uh on the down low right where, where they wouldn't see it and wouldn't know it's there wouldn't see it coming like they would they would have no idea of my presence uh and by the time i like you know bloop, on the radar i'd have enough money to to fight them off and to to get around any anything that they had coming up against me um you know, we, we talk about uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin on the show frequently with MCs on here. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's been a wild west for the past few years and a, a lot of opportunity to make money. And, and you know, pe- people still ask me like, oh, what about what about paying the taxes? And I go, why would you want to do that? Well, well we got to be legitimate. We got to like we got to make sure that we, we pay our taxes and, and do all the right things. Like, why would you want to do that? Like right, right now is the opportunity, you know, to, to make uh, a whole bunch of money, you know, with, with, uh, cryptocurrency startups and however you can, you know, figure out what, what you can invest in right now is a good opportunity to make a whole bunch of money that they're not going to see coming. 
And by the time they do, it's too late. You know, there, there'll be techno technologies um, that allow you to hide it. And there already are, right? MC is a big fan of Monero, right? And we, we read an article on the show um, last week about how, like, that's, that's where the money's going to disappear, Right. And they're, they're flagging all Monero transactions as as criminal activity because they just assume if you're using Monero, you're using you're using it for criminal activity and it, it's going to overwhelm. And there's there's even if they even if they know you've got it, there's no way to trace it. Um, so so make a bunch of money now, you know, with whatever business you've got going on and hide it. You know, there, there's technologies that allow you to hide it. Don't don't show it to them. Don't give it to them. Uh, and, you know, if you if you end up. Bloop, on the radar a little bit, well, then, you know, use your war chest that you've built up from all that hidden money to, to fend them off or however you want to do it. Um, but you don't, you, you know, it's, 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 they're the obstacle that needs to be gotten out of the way, not the solution, right? They're, they're, they're the box, uh, blocking you in, um, not the, not the end goal to, to the problems that ail you. And I think, again, I, I say this, I say that I have to say this, but I say it way too much. Um, it's just, it's a simple switch in the, in the thinking of the individual that needs to flip, right? You, you, you flip the switch for more freedom, for more liberty, um, for, for less intrusion, less coercion, less violence in your life. And all of a sudden, um, a, a ton of solutions, you know, come to light that you've never thought of because now you can't just count on the government, uh, to, to be the problem solver for you. You know, when, when you actually have to think about things on your own, um, you know, solutions come to you that, uh, that might, might not be the solution, but it's definitely like an option to brainstorm. Um, one final thought on that. Um, I had a boss who said, don't come to me with a problem. Uh, come to me with your problem and three solutions to your problem. And I'll give you three more right? Three more solutions. So now you have six to work with, right? Um, but you, you have to do the brain work yourself. You have to come and say like, well, what is the obstacle that I'm, I'm facing? Um, and a lot of times, again, it's, it's state regulations or state laws or state rules that prevent you from going out and doing your business and making your money. Um, what is the obstacle and, and what are three ways, right? That I can get around that obstacle. And, and, and one of those ways should not be take over the obstacle and put it in front of somebody else. Um, but what are the ways that I can get around that and change my mentality, change my thinking to one of more liberty, to one of more freedom uh, so that we can get away from, you know, the, the slave mentality that says, oh, my God, we need a savior. Oh, my God. Trump, 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 Oprah, 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 and all that nonsense um, and just, you know, live your life, live our lives in peace and harmony uh, with each other instead of looking at the, the best way to interfere uh, using the the guns of government moving on speaking of non-governmental solutions uh headline the answer to illegal immigration is property rights that's right uh, reading into the article the question of immigration has proved a consistently thorny one to libertarians ordinarily so united on questions of public policy some argue that freedom of mobility is a fundamental human right and that, therefore, any restriction on immigration is unjust. Others claim that a nation has a right to protect its borders. Still others issue theoretical arguments in favor of pragmatism, pointing to the problems Europe is experiencing after having imported a large number of immigrants and refugees from the Middle East with custom and religions foreign to their own. A consensus is elusive even as unmeasured quantities of ink continues to be spilled, arguing over what is to be done with all those pesky immigrants. 
For a long time now, the solution has seemed to be, seemed to me to be an obvious one, and yet one that I rarely, if ever, see put into words. I hope now to rectify that with my proposal for an immigration policy based on traditional understanding of property rights. Same words, different meanings. As with many policy areas, I believe that much of the troubles we find ourselves in result from an imprecise use of language, from confusing the metaphorical with the actual. English is a tongue which, for better or worse, demands certain shortcuts which, though convenient in everyday speech, can lead to catastrophic misunderstandings. Let us begin by quickly looking at the various uses for the first-person possessive pronoun, my, or our. In general, applying my to a noun simply implies ownership. I own my furniture, my books, my television, and my computer. They are mine because I have the right to do with them with do what I like with them and control how they are used without appealing to a higher authority for permission. This is the traditional view of what it means to be to own property. We do not own the country, or at least not all of it, but my can be used in a different sense, which causes some confusion. We often say things like, my street, my neighborhood, my friends, my country, or my hometown. In this case, my does not signify ownership at all, but rather some loose association with, the, with a person, such as physical proximity or emotional attachment. No one claims to own their friends, uh, nor would they be likely to remain friendly should such a claim be put forth. Likewise, when one uses the expression, my street, they mean the street where I live, not the street I own. Or do they? On examination, it turns out many people do feel a sort of possessiveness to places where they live and feel personally affronted if others behave badly regarding these places. In the absence of an explicit neighborhood association contract, a homeowner has no legal or ethical right to dictate what his neighbor does on his own property. Yet this does not diminish the moral outrage felt at a prominently displayed collection of lawn gnomes or pink flamingos. Oddly, physical distance seems to have little diminishing effects on the feeling of possessiveness. A citizen feels that he has some sort of controlling stake not only in his street, but in his town, his country, his state, or his town, his county, his state, and his country, despite the fact that he owns none of these things. Uh, middle school civics may teach us that America is our country and that we are the government, uh, but the absurdity of this claim is evident the first time we are forced to pay taxes or suffer under the heel of some oppressive regulation. No sane person would treat himself in so degrading a way. We each have the right to govern our own property, but beyond those borders, our control ceases. And so we end up with claims like, a country has a right to protect its borders, uh, when in fact, it's impossible for a country to have any rights at all. A country is not a person. A country cannot own property, much less act to defend that property. Only individuals can act. Uh, one might as well try to confer rights upon such abstract concepts as hope or long division. Uh, no greater would be the absurdity. One may counter that all right then. We as individuals have the right to defend our country from interlopers. But here again, we run into the problem that we do not own the country, or at least not all of it. I own the property that I own, and you own the property that you own, but the fact that both of our properties lie within the area called America does not mean that I can tell you what to do with your land any more than you can tell me what to do with mine. We each have the right to govern our own property, but beyond those borders, our control ceases. 
The private property solution. Uh, what does this have to do with immigration? Well, simply put, it means that while each of us has the right to decide who to let enter the property we own, none of us has a right to dictate the same to others. If I wish to allow a Mexican citizen to live in my house and work in my garden, what business is it of yours to stop me? And if you want to house and employ a Somali national, by what right do I interfere? As a general opponent of legal restrictions on immigration, I often see my position described as open borders. Uh, but that couldn't be further from the truth. I believe that every individual should be allowed absolute control over the border of his or own property. Uh, this means that if you object to immigrants, no one can force you to let them into your home, your factory, or any other plot of land you happen to own. On the other hand, if you choose to allow immigrants free passage through your property, uh, I see no reason why anyone else should be able to prevent you from doing so. Allowing individuals the sovereign control over their property means that only those who choose to house and employ immigrants need do so. Collective rights and individual rights cannot coexist. One must always trump the other. If we, as Americans, claim a collective right, as I have sometimes heard, to control who works in the country, uh, that can only come at the expense of our individual property rights. How can I really be said to own my house, after all, if my neighbor has the right to come in and evict an innocent migrant I, I may be housing or employing at my own expense? Allowing individuals the sovereign control of their property, on the other hand, means that only those who choose to house and employ immigrants need do so. It is true that you might see some immigrants working uh, in a local shop or living down the street from you, and that this might cause you distress. But why should you have any control over these variables in the first place? If you wish to decide who works at the grocery store, buy it. Uh, then you can enact any employment policy you want. Otherwise, nothing has changed in that business in that the business and personal decisions of others have never been yours to make. But what about public property? It is somewhat more difficult question because as a good libertarian, I fail to recognize the legitimacy of public property at all. Uh, again, the claim that government property belongs to all of us is easily disproved. Uh, try walking towards the Pentagon, carrying a jackhammer, see how far you get, and then tell me that you own the place. For the time being, as long as we are afflicted with the charade of public land, I suppose one could argue that whether or not immigrants should be allowed to live and work on public property should be a matter of popular vote or popularly elected representatives to decide. In a sense, that is sort of what is happening with sanctuary cities across the country, but none of this supersedes the rights of citizens to either extend or deny the use of their private property to anyone they choose, country of origin notwithstanding. Uh, this property rights view of immigration won't make everyone happy. No solution will, but it is one of con but it is one way of consistently applying the locking principles of property to a debate that has divided the libertarian movement and indeed the country as a whole. Uh, end of the article. Uh, not much more to say about this or add to it aside from the fact that you know the the public policy issue um, is the one that is most common. Uh, when the, the when this debate comes up in libertarian circles, anarchist circles, whatever, um, I use the term interchangeably, especially here on this show, because I don't care enough to distinguish, even though I could if I wanted to. Um, but it's it's you know it's the it's the claim right that cropped up you know I'm I'm gonna say uh, from closeted racists if if you know if, if that word means anything to you anymore. Um, as an excuse to exclude immigrants uh, from entering the country. And that is, well, 
as long as we're going to have public property, right, as, as long as it's going to be such a thing, then we, the people, should be allowed to decide who comes on it, right, as, as if, you know, as, as if we, the people, all agree, which is why, you know, the debate gets thrown up in the air, right? We, 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 the white folks, we, we, the white Americans don't want those brown furners, uh, to enter our public lands or, or desecrate our public properties or in any way alter our culture, uh, you know, as, as white Americans, um, that we must exclude them from the public spaces, right? And, 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 and even if you disagree with them, right? Like, you know, they, they, you know, the, the, the alt-right, uh, right, you know, alt, alt-right white culture, white nationalism, that culture, right, is the one really saying like, no, 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 um, you know, we, we, we reject uh, the, the private policy position, um, you know, that we've held for so long, right? We reject um, the, that public, that public uh, property should not exist uh, and is a, a, a oxymoron of a term, right? We, re- we reject that and now say that, well, since, since as long as we're going to have it, uh, we want to control it, right? We, you know, that, that's, that's the obstacle that now we want to control, um, by taking over, you know, the the policy and, and, you know, electing Trump and moving, moving into the political arena to solve a, a social problem, right? Rather than just going with what the article said, um, and that is, you know, private property rights, Trump all, you know, it's, it's either, it's either private property, in which case you can just call it property, uh, or it's public property, which again is an oxymoron, which means it's not property. You know, there's, there's no, uh, total, there's no total collective ownership of anything. Right. And they mentioned, you know, walking up to the, uh, walking up to the Pentagon, uh, with a jackhammer. Well, just try walking up to, you know, your, your local, um, you know, board of water supply or whatever, uh, where there's like a no trespassing sign outside right a or a public park with a, a a curfew on it right you're not allowed to be here you know this is this is the public park uh but you can't be here between these hours um by decree of who right who said so are you are you the park owner um as a member of the public am i not the park owner uh, as a as the as a partial owner of the park uh can i can i not access it uh, at my will can I not change the rules on my own, right? If, if, if not me, then who, right? Who, who can change the rules, uh, if not the owner of the property? And if I'm a member of the public and it's supposed to be public, should I not be able to change the rules? Um, and so, and, and, and so the debate goes on right over and over and over again, um, where you can easily just squash the entire debate, um, with the idea of, of private property. And again, which is why in, in my mind, it's the, you know, it's the biggest, it's the biggest, uh, debate. It's the biggest question, the biggest solution that needs to, that needs to be made. And that is, you know, uh, people, you know, some people ask me like, well, what kind of anarchist are you? And I, uh, I'm an ANCAP, right? Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, anarcho-capitalist private property rights anarchist. I don't believe in collective ownership because once you accept the belief of collective ownership, um, into, you know, into your mind and into the thoughts of society, then you run into problems like this. And the, 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 the understanding, the notion of private property and private property rights, uh, eliminates these problems. 
and it, it increases the ability to arbitrate disputes should they arise in a setting where there's no state control, right, over, over the justice system, right? If, if you accept, if you as a society and as, as a human consciousness accept the ideas of private property rights, well, then a lot of other debates are, are you know, are moot, um, and a lot of other conflicts are easily resolved. You just go, well, well, who owns it? Who owns it? And who are you to tell them what to do with it? Um, I want, I'm going to read one more article because it's a short one. Um, and, but it, it highlights, you know, this idea of public ownership um, over a geographic area uh, at the exclusion of, of, you know, non-members, so to speak. Right. Headline, a town in New Jersey to find non-residents for driving through town. Uh, beginning next week, driving through a New Jersey town could cost up to $200 as the jurisdiction tries to prohibit drivers from using apps like Waze and Google Maps to help drivers get around traffic. Uh, Leonia, New Jersey sits just west of New York City and near the entrance of the George Washington Bridge leading to Manhattan and the Bronx. Because of the effect of apps rerouting commuters through the town, it adopted an ordinance in November that effectively bans non-residents from driving through the town. The prohibition of the town's roads from 6 to 10 a.m. and 4 to 9 p.m. on weekdays. In order to access roads, the driver must prove that they are a resident of the street needing access to their home or can demonstrate or document a need to access a resident on the street or parts of the streets as described. Uh, according to NJ.com, this law has drawn ire from neighboring towns and drivers. It also has attracted questions to its legality. This plan gives enormous power to police officers. People who are traveling safely down the street should not be subject to law enforcement. It's intrusive. Uh, Jean Cicero, Deputy Legal Counsel Director for the ACLU New Jersey, told NJ.com. It's hard to imagine that Leonia could enforce this in a way that didn't discriminate. Uh, but town leaders said something has to be done to calm traffic in the area. We have a lot of vehicles that, lead the high, that, that leave the highway to the bridge and use Leonia as a bypass or to cut through up to Fort Lee, Police Chief Thomas Rowe told NJ.com. This is a public safety issue. Uh, Rowe blamed the influx of traffic avoiding apps, which has caused traffic within town to snarl. Uh, the town is working with app makers such as ways to help enforce the new statute. Uh, end of that article. But again, just highlights you know, uh, uh, that idea of, of collective ownership. If it's a public road, right, then, then it's owned by everybody, right? And if you say like, well, just residents of the area who pay taxes on it, well, then just eliminate that, right? Eliminate that aspect of it and make it private, right? The, make it a private road owned by, you know, some private organization who was able to acquire it or the, you know, or, or um, you know, each section of road uh, to the homeowner. Uh, who would then allow access because it would be it would be foolish not to, right? This is one of like Jesse Ventura's um, arguments against uh, private road ownership, right? He's like, well, every hundred feet you'd have a toll booth that you'd have to pay to go through, and no one would want to do that. So we need the state to enforce the roads. I go, well, that's a ridiculous solution because you just said no one would want that. Right. If no one wants a toll booth every hundred feet, the market's not going to put up a toll booth every hundred feet. Right. No neighbor, you know, e even the neighbors in the area, if they have to like get use the tolls to leave, you know, to leave their neighborhood and pay all their neighbors, you know, a quarter every time they drive to the supermarket, uh, it won't work. Right. People will either leave the area, number one, um, or just agree not to do that nonsense, which I think is more likely. You just you just don't put up the toll booth. Um, 
And the minute one asshole puts up a toll booth, you go, all right, dude, you're out. You know, um, you, you are ostracized from this neighborhood. No one is going, you alone, regardless of toll booth are not allowed to cross over, you know, in, into my property until you remove that monstrosity uh, of a ridiculous solution. Um, you know, so you just, you just leave it up to them. And so when you have, again, collective ownership, uh, you know, like the town going, well, only residents of the town are allowed here. Um, it's, it's bound to fail. Right. They even said, right, at the end of the article, it's already a problem. The Roe blames the influx, which has caused traffic in town to snarl. Right. So the, the shortcut, the bypass, um, you know, through this town has become a traffic jam itself. So it's no longer the solution to get around traffic, which means that other solutions will develop and other th- solutions will come, you know, come to being that will alleviate the traffic going through that town too. Uh, just like that town was the solution, you know, for, for people entering uh, Manhattan and the Bronx. Um, so will some other, some other route, uh, leading around town to get people where they want to be. Um, or, you know, traffic will just be bad everywhere and that'll just be like the nature of things. Um, and I'm sure, you know, if, if, you know, the market is allowed to flourish, well, for one, you'd have flying cars already, but there'd be other solutions, um, other solutions would come to light that I can't think of at the moment that will alleviate the traffic. And I want to say just, just because, you know, this, this is the anarchist experience that the problem with the traffic, uh, is probably some state rule law regulation or traffic light, um, or rules within the city, uh, you know, that, that don't allow, uh, traffic to flow smoothly. Right. You know, I, 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 it, it, traffic sucks in Hawaii and I think a lot of it's poor engineering. Um, but when I drive on the mainland, a lot of times like the freeway just comes to a screeching halt. Why fucking toll bridge or toll booth, right? You know, nothing, nothing wrong with that necessarily. Um, but if the goal is like fast flowing, smooth traffic, you don't put up a fucking roadblock in the middle of the, fa- in the middle of the freeway. Right. I mean, there's your problem right there. Um, and I don't, I don't live in New York and I don't know what the situation is over there. Um, but I'm sure it's something similar to that where there's some governmental nonsense, uh, restricting the flow of traffic going through and people are seeking alternatives around that. And again, if you eliminate the roadblock, if you eliminate, um, the, the block rather than trying to take it over, uh, I think you'll see a lot of solutions come up for traffic, um, as well as, you know, other of society's ails. And I'm now running overtime, so that's all I'm going to do this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You guys know where to find us, uh, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Uh, if you want to read the show prep uh, that I didn't get to or, you know, add some of your own, we do that in the groups, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. Uh, and if you want to donate to the show financially, hell, why not? You know, the throw a couple bucks our way. We do it through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully MC will return. Uh, when he does, we will talk to y'all next week. Peace.